And now a loaded group here on Miami Miked Up here at the beginning of January as we're talking Miami Heat basketball. I have the crew from the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Ethan, Alex, Greg, Brady, thank you guys for joining me today on Miami Miked Up, and I'm excited to dive into Miami Heat basketball with the four of you. Um, but before we get started, I'm going to go around the room here, and uh, the way that we'll do it is Ethan, Greg, Alex, and then Brady. What is something recently outside of work, outside of basketball, that has brought you joy? Uh, taking my daughter to soccer practice yesterday was fun um, because we, we had to have a, a little conversation because she didn't make her school team because <laughs> her friend was talking to her and I've had this problem in my life. She didn't want to tell her friend to be quiet. <laughs> so so talking like, during tryouts. Right. So she needed to speak up. And so basically that didn't end. I mean, she was a third grader trying to make a team of fifth graders, but still, you know, she's used to achieving. So it's sure. a little bit different for her. And uh, so but we got her out to a, a park league and she joined right away and like looked like the best player on the field to me as soon as she got there. So that was that brought me joy. That was good. I love it. That's awesome. And I, and I woke up in the morning because I'm by far the oldest person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about age for all of us before we even started recording. I feel like that's going to be a constant theme today. Uh, Greg? What an interesting question. What brings what has brought me joy recently? The damn win in um, New Orleans. I'll start there. No, uh, but truthfully, isn't that heat, Greg? Yeah, that's too heat. That's right. Out of that's heat, man. No, we gotta get uh, out no, of, the of heat course. Line. I know you think that that's what I'm going to go with. Um, I could give you the. Uh, you know, I, I obviously get a ton of joy being around my family. I've moved away from South Florida, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so the kids, the wife, bring me joy, of course. Um, also, uh, I recently discovered something called the Wim Hof method, which is like this breathing. And then you, uh, do cold plunges. And I have to tell you, like talking about sheer joy as a feeling, that is something that you get when you do that. So that's something that I've found recently. That's been super, uh, good as a stress reliever. So, um, that brings me joy, the Wim Hof method. Look it up. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I feel like I'm going to want to dive in and have a separate podcast with you just about that so we'll we'll have to catch up with that after this is done recording alex what about you man uh man uh, i'm always gonna say it's a tough question it's kind of my thing and i'm gonna <laughs> doing that here uh i guess i don't i don't have any good answers other than i, I was you know uh, gifted a nintendo switch for christmas so that's been uh yeah, nice yeah. to play through uh Shout out to my girlfriend. I get joy out of eating with her, you know, going to restaurants with her. And she's the one who got me a switch. So, yeah, she brings me joy. There you go. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful answer. And Brady, the youngin, what's brought you joy recently, man? Yeah, I haven't brought my daughter to soccer practice like Ethan or anything. (laughs) But uh, but, uh, honestly, you said no basketball, but I think you meant no heat. I've been trying to play basketball multiple times a week again. So I feel like like that's brought me joy, I feel like. So just playing a little bit more again and just going out and getting runs multiple times a week. Man, that's the best. I haven't, it's been so long since I've been able to actually like go out and play basketball. Even I went out with my brother the other day and just, just randomly just shot around a little bit and was like, oh yeah, this is really fun. <laughs> like, you know, you forget why we all yeah. fall in love with this game is because we play it as kids and actually really just enjoy it. Um, and before we get into to everything with the heat, you know, Ethan, you tweeted it out earlier, at least I think it was you running the, the five reasons account at the time tweeting it out. You know, this is a chance for us to dive into some origin stories here if we'd like to uh, for this group of five on the floor. And, and that is kind of where I want to start. 
um, outside of basketball. And, and the formation of this podcast is to how it exists today. So I guess, Ethan, we will start with you. You're the person to go to here. But I'm just sort of searching for the way that this group of four in particular has come together, you know, how and when Brady joined the crew um, and what it's been like for you and this group to grow your specific brand of Miami Heat coverage. Well, I think it started uh, the podcast, actually, the origin story of the podcast uh, was Chris Winningham and I starting a podcast in 2018, which was on everything. I mean, I've covered the heat since 96. So uh, pretty much uh, the first the, the halfway through Pat's first year was my first year covering the heat. At that point, you know, we all had our winner within books like we were trying to impress him like learning like the uh like what was it like the theory of temporary insanity and all the other stuff in that book and uh it's funny a lot of that stuff still applies but actually although i I think he found himself not really liking that book after a while and especially people quoting it back to him so that's how far i go back covering this team i covered the big three era home and road and you know that was an experience i don't think that i'll top at any point it's hard to in any way because you know it was pretty much combining every we were the center of the universe, as you know, and, right. and it, you had to combine pretty much every journalistic skill you ever had. I mean, essentially, I got swamped by ESPN sending heat index down here, you know, with their their all star crew of Windhorse, Wallace, Haberstroh and, and uh, Arnovitz. Right. Uh, to, to cover every single aspect of the team. And Poppy's Post sent me out there and said, hey, cover all 82 of the playoffs by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so so that that's pretty that's pretty much that's pretty much what went down there. But. You know, look, uh, obviously the, the mainstream media space has changed. Um, you know, I worked for newspapers for 20 years. We all know that's not what it was. We all know that local uh, sports media has has transformed a lot. And so, you know, this just started with one podcast. It started with right. Chris and I, a pod. And, you know, we were doing a lot of heat because I was forcing him to do a lot of heat. <laughs> and, and we, I remember. And we, you don't have to you force me. Just, you actually enjoyed this some point yeah. um, to do do some Marlins, and right. uh, you are you are an alum. We take credit for you, and so <laughs> you know we 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 jumped in with with a lot of heat stuff, and it annoyed Chris because you know as you know he he always wanted to mock Dwayne Wade, and so we right. would have these forth, and uh, and then you know essentially uh, we brought on Miami Heat Beat, which is actually where Greg and Alex come into this because mm-hmm. Heatbeat came under the five reasons sports umbrella. And that was you know a fan podcast and uh, John Carlo Navis, Brian Goins who started that and, you know, built their own audience. And, and the, the thing that was a little, I think different for me than some of the other beat guys is that I interacted with all of these yes. people during the big three era. Um, and so I knew who the players were on social media and sometimes it was not the best experience but you, you get to know you get to know who's who. You get to know what the fans are thinking, and I think that matters. I don't think you want to be in a bubble all the time. And so, you know, I actually went on Miami Heat beat many times. Israel mm-hmm. Gutierrez and I used to go on with them all the time, and and so you know they came under our umbrella. And then ultimately, when they left to do their own thing again, uh, at some point, Alex and Greg stayed. That's kind of right. how that played out. I mean, Alphonse Sydney was there in the mix as well, and. And so, you know, that's, we decided, okay, we'll flip it into five on the floor. And the, and the whole origin of the five on the floor thing was it really went a couple of different ways. One, you know, it's, it's that whole thing of like, if you watch Hoosiers, it's like, those are my five that, you know, those are my five on the floor. Your five on the floor. Right. But also it, it plays into the whole sort of Riley Spolstra dynamic here is that the ball goes on the floor. I want five on the floor. 
Mm. And so that was kind of how we came up with the name was me, Alf and Adam Smoot in like a 10 minute call. And we were like, I like that. And we went with that. And so essentially that's been where we've gone since. And then Brady, uh, when Alf, before Alf left, and now he does some work with us as well. uh, Brady uh, talked to Alf on the court, started writing for us. And he was, Mm -hmm. he was uh, just there as a fan and started writing for us. And now he's essentially taken my job and all the rest of that. (laughs) It didn't work out particularly well for me or anybody else. Um, you know, and as, as Eric Spolcher says, uh, Brady, he's pretty sharp, which basically Mm. means get it to stop asking me those damn questions because (laughs) I don't want strategy out there, which is why, which is why you get the point. Um, but the one thing I do want to say kind of before we go forward on is I I really do appreciate, uh, the way that the heat have treated us, um, from the very beginning. And I, you know, my relationships with people on the heat, as you know, nobody ever leaves the heat. It's not like Mm -hmm. the dolphins where they're firing people every three days or the Panthers where they've had 16 coaches in four years or the Marlins, which I don't even want to talk about the Marlins. I know Jeremy, you might, but I don't, <laughs> um, or the Canes, which have become an embarrassment in a lot of ways. I, you yeah. know, I, I, you know, the heat or the heat. I mean, it's the same people that have been there forever. Um, I know them, they know me. Uh, they were very supportive of me through a whole bunch of different situations. And, uh, and essentially, you know, I mean, we get three credentials to the home games um, right. and that is significant. We were the, we have more people there than anybody else. Uh, at every game, Brady, Alex, and I are pretty much at every game, or we sub in Gab at Cartagena sometimes, or Alejandro Villegas, and and they give us access. And Brady and Alex ask great questions, and and we've so it, it's been uh, you know it's been a really good experience, and I'm I'm appreciative to them for the trust. It doesn't mean we're going to agree with everything they do. Um, I don't think they want us to. Um, sometimes they might want us to, but I, I, <laughs> maybe I know a little bit listen. more. Maybe a little. Yeah, bit I know more. they listen, Jeremy, because I get the phone calls. So right. that's 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 how that works and i guess that means that we have some kind of a role in the coverage there and and uh as i've backed off from it a little bit i i appreciate that they've allowed uh, people like alex and brady to to flourish in those roles so that it's been pretty cool well we'll try to keep you away from any of those phone calls on on this podcast in particular let's hope we can get through this one without that yeah let's let's try to get through uh, get through (laughs) this one without that but but as you mentioned right the way that that this podcast has evolved and and kind of the ethos that that starts it it is at the core of it what you mentioned is the way that you were able to sort of interact and understand kind of the voice of the fan right while you were covering the team it was hey this is what the fans are talking about and and for for the the other three of you right you guys are heat fans at at your core um i know that about all three of you i know that that that's sort of how you started here so i guess maybe what what we can start with is is do you remember your Heat fan origin stories and, and how much does your fandom sort of come into play? Any of the three of you, if you want to kind of start here, but when you're covering this team, how much does that kind of motivate you to, to want to provide the best possible coverage? I guess I'll go first here. Sure. Um, it's, it's, I, I will be honest. It's difficult. Um, it's been a transition, frankly, the more that I cover the team mm-hmm. um, to, know when to turn that on and off because I've been so attached emotionally to these games for so long. Um, I've, you know, been a heat fan since 1990. So um, that makes me old. And that also I've seen before Riley, I've seen after Riley and everything in between. So um, there's an attachment there. Right. But um, I think that ultimately um, 
they tend to get it right. So it's actually been a pretty smooth ride. Right. So um, I'm grateful that the organization that somehow I ended up following in this universe is a competent one. And so it's made it a, a fun ride to be a fan. And I haven't had much to complain about, frankly, because they, they don't give us much to complain about. Mm. Um, so uh, I, I would say that, you know, that it's it's super cool to um to be as close to the team as I am now. So that being said, um, Alex and Brady, like as 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 we talk about the way that you guys cover this team and, and there's fandom involved, but there's also obviously like a yearning to to cover the team from an X's and O's perspective, you know, that is solid here and making sure that that you guys are providing something that's that's sort of unique, right? Because I think that having the long form podcast where you guys can kind of dive into the the minutiae um after each game in between games is is what this group does really well so for you guys you know what do you think is sort of the secret sauce that has allowed you guys to kind of fill into the different roles to make sure that there's well-rounded coverage in what it is that you guys are doing uh, i mean it's i guess it's just talking basketball man that's what it comes <laughs> down to for me that's really what it's always been about and uh just trying to keep it basketball. And I've always enjoyed talking about the game and uh, talking, you know, and, and interacting with other people. And I think, you know, maybe like it, all, all this started for, I think like most of us here, not Ethan, but when it comes to like interacting <laughs> with the fans and growing the profile on Heat Twitter, right? right and yeah. as Heat Twitter has grown and changed and I'm not necessarily as as active as I used to be, that's where it all started just from the love of uh, talking about the game. So I wanted, you know, I think, uh, covering it from that perspective is really what it's about. And I think Brady can speak more to that just because, you know, he's he's a natural talent at that. But just in general, I think talking about basketball has always been really fun to me. And that's why I enjoy the five on the floor stuff, because we can, like you said, we can really dive in and Ethan lets us talk about whatever we want to talk about. And yeah, man, it's a it's been a blessing for sure. Brady, it's funny as everybody throws sort of the wonderkind thing onto you, whether as you sit here and shake your head constantly, but <laughs> as 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 the youngin that is is doing a lot of, you know, um, for those who, who don't follow Brady on Twitter, you know, you're, you're breaking down crucial plays from from the night before. Sometimes, you know, night of you're breaking down plays from the game. Um, and sharing it with people online. And so how much has, um, you know, being able to have access to to video and to information helped you as a young person in this industry as you've tried to grow as a reporter, as you've tried to grow as someone breaking down the game? Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's been the biggest thing. I always shout out Nikias Duncan because he always kind of helped me at the beginning specifically. Yep. But one of the things he told me at the very beginning was like, you have to find your thing. Like he was like, you basically have to find one thing you're good at within the kind of media type sense. And I immediately knew that it was kind of similar to him in a way. It was yeah. kind of the film-based stuff. I just like the actual basketball part of it. I don't have fun. Uh, there's, there, you know, there's different ways you can go about it, but I just don't have fun talking about the other parts of it. I, the whole point of this is all basketball. So why don't we just talk actual basketball? So <laughs> to that point, that's why I like breaking down kind of what's happening, as you said, uh, it's kind of, I guess, found my, my road in a way where I can kind of talk in a different sense. Uh, and like you said, I think the biggest thing is, you know, shouting out five reasons and Ethan and everybody for giving me the access. It's helped me in a way as well, because, you know, getting night of when you're noticing in real time, you can also ask the actual players and right. the actual coach 
about the specific basketball things that like, uh, I'm not somebody that's, you know, watched press conferences for a long time. I know you guys can probably speak more to it, but it's like, I'm, there's usually like a, a similar type of question that's kind of aimed at the coach and kind of similar type of answer that's aimed at the coach uh, and players usually. So it's just kind of a different sense when you can actually talk about the thing that's, that's kind of happening. Uh, while also balancing the line of not saying too much, <laughs> because yeah, as you know, sure. there's, there was a, obviously the, I know everybody talks about the point, but it is kind of wild because that was a playoff series. That was a type of adjustment. So like, there's also like, I understand when there's not a, <laughs> a full explanation on something, but it feels like that's the meat of everything that we're discussing in a whole playoff series. It's basically all about adjustments, what's happening on the floor and on the fly. So I feel like that's just what's kind of intrigued me the most. So I guess that's kind of been my thing, the film stuff. And then that's kind of what I'll continue to focus on. That's where I got the text. Uh, (laughs) Because essentially, you know, Spo had completely changed Bam's defensive coverages. And I I think, and and there's no disrespect to anybody who's ever covered the team because I came up through a traditional journalistic way. um, And I see the game, but I don't see it like Brady and Alex see it. I I don't, Mm. I, I, I see I can tell you when a wrote, I can look at the numbers. I, I was a little, I think earlier than a lot of the traditional beat guys on that. And I can identify what, like, if I see a guy, I'll be like, okay, that guy fits with another guy. Like I've always been able to do that sure. like in terms of rotations and stuff like that. Um, and, and, you know, but my big thing was building relationships. Like that's where I, you know, that, that, that's what I was taught to do. I mean, that's what, if you look at, you know, Israel was kind of my mentee at the Palm Beach Post that we approach things a similar way. It was building relationships in the locker room and getting the information from the players directly. But but the other thing that happened with five reasons, and I think this is this affected, you know, Brady and Alex. And now we're seeing it, us come out of it was COVID. Yep. And, and and the crazy thing about it is that COVID was actually uh, obviously a horrible thing that happened to society and the economy and all kinds of things it was pretty damn good for us. Uh, mm. and, 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 and the reason that, no, I, Alex laughing at no. me, but it, but it, it, it was in the sense of it completely leveled the playing field for us at a time where I was figuring out how to grow, not just five on the floor, but three yards per carry. And which is our dolphins podcast and the rest yeah. of the network. And essentially the zooms, like look, newspapers weren't sending people on the road during that time. Like everybody was on zoom. So everybody had the same access. The yep. locker rooms weren't open. And so, you know, all the advantages that I had as a newspaper guy and the current newspaper guys had, they didn't exist anymore. And so that really, I think, leveled it. And now that the locker rooms have opened, although not completely like they used to be, we're in a situation where now there's some credibility for what we do, which there may not have been before. And I think that's where I give the Heat the most credit because, you know, it's very easy. There's another team in town, okay, that's prominent. They don't look at us the way that he does. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they give me a credential and that's it. Okay. You could probably figure out that team. They haven't won a playoff game since December 30th, 2000, but that's, that's it. Okay. I mean, they, they look at us right. as a block and, and I think they're 10 years behind the times. Mm-hmm. That's my, opinion. I, I think that this is where it's going. And I was always taught not to root. I didn't, I didn't root. Okay. I was a, I was a Knicks fan. I was a Riley right. fan. York. Okay. I was, I know Greg's looking at me. I I was okay. So I was always taught not to root, but honestly, the fans who are watching the games now, they want to know that the people that are covering the teams are invested in the teams. And you know, the, the tired old sports writer who was just, you know, annoyed about getting on another flight, they're not into that anymore. And so I, I do think that it's changed my perspective on it, but I actually think that this period with COVID coming out of COVID, uh, has, has really changed the dynamic. And I think the landscape that I saw coming, 
you know, and I thought would be five to 10 years. I think it's been three to five years You're instead right. as a result of that. Yeah, it's been it's been sped up for sure. And the level of access absolutely helped to sort of just even the playing field for everybody. And you look I mean, you look across this market and you look across kind of the coverage of, of all the different teams. There are all sorts of people. You know, I think there's there's a, a British fellow named Peter Pratt, who's a who's a Marlins fan, Miami Marlins UK on Twitter. And he got to participate in, you know, in pressers during 2020 in the midst of a, of a covid latent season for the Marlins. That was their playoff run specifically for the same reasons you just mentioned, right? Because now there was an evening of the playing field of, hey, all you got to do is hop on a Zoom. It doesn't matter if you're halfway across the world. Um, and that did sort of open things up. And it's been it's been really cool to kind of hear you guys talk from these different realms, right? Because we're just talking about, all right, there's passion for basketball. I want to talk about basketball. There's passion for, hey, I want to break down what is going on in the individual games and then there's also the storytelling right like ethan your your origins really come from i want to tell stories around this game and so you guys have news breaking you have storytelling you have analysis and that's how ultimately you get five on the floor and so now let's dive into some of the miami heat basketball um as we've taken the first 20 minutes here or so to talk about the podcast let's get into the team uh up and down season fair to say We'll, we'll call it that. It's been one of the strangest teat seasons that I can remember. And I feel like the last two games actually really just kind of sum it up well. Like you give up 70 points in the first half and lose in an almost comeback in Atlanta. And then you score 70 in the first half and win wire to wire against New Orleans with the full rotation there. The team's now won four of their last five, nine of their last 13. And it seems like it's at the time where the team's kind of starting to get healthy. Um, so I'll go backwards here, Brady, I'll come back to you. What to you has been the primary reason for the Heat's recent success as compared to earlier in the season where, you know, they were struggling a bit more? Well, I think the easy thing to point out is maybe they're getting a little bit healthier. I feel like that'll be the first thing everybody talks about. I think the starting lineup was their 15th time together this season, in this last game. So that helps a little bit. Uh, but to your point, the, these last two games perfectly sum it up because the word I've been using a ton has been consistency with this team because it's just even from, you know, game to game between play to play, because, you know, we, we I know Heat fans joke around about the fact when you have a 20 point lead, you don't know what's going to happen in the next no. quarter because it's just it can go like that. And that's the game of basketball, but it's also kind of Miami Heat basketball in a way because it just kind of flies back and forth consistency. Uh, but I think a, a real rock of what they've been able to do is, is you know, Spo always uses the word identity. Uh, and they've been very good in terms of defensively. They've kind of turned it around in a way where I think you feel confident enough. I give a lot of credit because we obviously talk about Bam and the defense player of the year type of run he's been on. But I give a lot of credit to Victor Oladipo. And I've mm. kind of been in that realm as well because it feels like he's juiced this team up. Big Everybody time. always talks about trades because what is other than different personnel, different guys you can mix in, it just gives life in a way where it just kind of gives a group a different look. That's what Oladipo has done for this team. He really has. And it just the the, the offensive jump he's given them, but it really starts with what he's been doing defensively. The team's built off of it. We go back to even you mentioned kind of in that, that Hawks game, they made a second half run. It was basically yeah. because they turned it up defensively in the second half. Jimmy Butler basically said, I'll just do it all myself defensively. Uh, and that's what stands out to me. Like they have guys that can actually do that. And in in, I also looked at a number recently where then second halves this season, they're like 29th in offense. How have they been so decent in clutch games? That's just shows how good their defense has been. Uh, so that's kind of what stuck out to me in terms of I think there, there's enough trust that they can get by offensively when healthy because you look at this last game and I think there's certain things they can get to. And when they revolve everything around Tyler and Bam, like they did begin that last game and when they did in the third quarter, 
it's tough to stop because they just have so many killers against a, a drop coverage team like the Pelicans. So uh, there's different options that they have. I think health is a big thing, but it's been in terms of positives. I, I think their defense is pretty a positive element. Yeah, the defense has has certainly helped them, and and it you know for this team as it's been for so many years that defense is what sparks their offense and and allows them to get into more you know con- consistent. Uh, a more consistent offense than than what we've seen from them thus far this season, that's for sure. And what's been really fascinating to me, and, and Brady, we've talked about this, I feel like, ad nauseum just before games where we're looking at their shooting numbers and going, how is this team not shooting the ball better? It doesn't make any sense, and they're getting looks. So how, how do we explain the Heat's poor shooting this season, considering they have been getting good looks? Alex, I mean, is there any way to sort of explain why the Heat haven't been able to shoot the ball well this season? And, and do you expect that number to continue to kind of come back toward where we saw it last year? Or, you know, do we just accept this team for what it is now with this sample size? And that's kind of the whole question for this entire heat season, right? It's like, it's been this experiment of like, well, is this team, you know, from a three point shooting perspective, are they the team that they were in the last regular season in the regular season as well, where they went to the finals, they, you know, were elite from, uh, from three as well. So I'm just thinking like, are they that team or are they a team that they, you know, kind of showed in the playoffs when the threes were not falling and it kind of got worse you know, as time went on the whole off season, I really didn't think that was going to be the case. I, we right. were all talking about leading offense. Like maybe even if you didn't think this team was going to be top three or number one or whatever in three point percentage again, like they are dead last or damn near it in catch and shoot percentage uh, from it's three. This season. Shocking. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's unreal. And so like they are still getting those looks like you could attribute some of it to, I guess, um, Duncan Robinson not being a part of the rotation anymore. He was somebody who was obviously uh, making a lot of them before, but still like the guys who were hitting at a high rate last season are not hitting at the same rate. And I I think, you know, a lot of them, like we've talked about on five on the floor all season are playing a little bit above their heads when it comes to the role that they're in have had to, you know, make up for other guys not being there have had to make up for the lack of size on the team and the type of energy that the defense that they, you know, they play uh, just takes to execute on a possession to possession basis, the fact that everything they do on offense is kind of hard work. Like they don't get a lot of easy baskets, right? They don't have a a KD type of talent, just, you know, sleepwalking to 30 points every night (laughs) or anything like that. So I just think, you know, the way that the team is built, it's, it it took a toll on everybody a little bit. And I'm of the mind that maybe they're not as bad as they've shown from three, but they're a little better. I just don't think they're going to go back to, top five or anything like that. And so it's kind of like they, they've they done a good job of adjusting. I think they're, you know, you spend a lot of the time in the beginning of the season, Spo did, talking about uh, wanting to get up 43s. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the number that they that they uh, aim for every night. There's been a few games recently where they're not hitting that number, but they're winning games because they're doing a better job taking advantage of the looks they get in the paint, the looks that they get in the in-between range, I don't even like to say mid-range sometimes because a lot of the shots they're taking are mostly kind of short mid-range, mm-hmm. right? And so they're doing a great job there actually to make up for some of the regression, the, the huge regression actually from three. So, you know, I, it's cool to see them adjusting because I, I do think like it's not just going to magically shoot up at this point. It's just three-point shooting is is very up and down. But at this point, it's it's been a while, right? And mm-hmm. so you're getting healthier. Gabe and Depot have absolutely helped this team especially defensively, offensively as well. 
But I and I think that's going to help them overall towards their their playoff offense. But I don't think three point shooting is going to just magically come back up. I think we've got a decent sample size. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to to look at this team, see the sample size, look at these players who we all know can shoot to a specific level, and then just say, all right, I guess that's not going to happen this season. You know, where where um, at the very least, you know, you look and, and you say with this last game and, and you look at the rotation of the last game and you go, is this the first game where they've actually had what their full, ro- full rotation will be for the rest of the season? You know, is this really the first time that we've seen what the Heat can be? And so, Alex, when you talk about that in-between range, when you talk about short range, when you talk about, you know, playing in the paint, we talk about Bam Adebayo. Um, he's been dominant. He should be an all-star. It's absolutely insane I, I i didn't even curse but i want to use a bleep button just to express my frustration over it absolutely insane that bam is not an all-star at the moment or or projected to be based off the fan vote but there's not enough great things you can say about him you know offensively his stats have been on par with some of the most dominant offensive bigs in the league defensively we know he anchors what miami does um and what it looks like when he's not on the floor anchoring what Miami does defensively double double machine and they're not empty stats so Greg I'll come to you here fill in the blank for me Bam Adebayo has been the blank best center in the NBA this season oh wow well I'm biased because you know it's no ceiling all day with me and Bam Adebayo why it came to Um, you uh but I mean, I guess maybe I put him at three behind Jovic and Embiid. I mean, I guess that's probably the consensus. Nico, I want everybody to know it is it, no in Jovic. in that's it is Jovic. It is Jovic. No, I'm no, sticking no, with no. it. I did so funny. No, no, it took me forever to actually say Jovic is Jovic instead right. of Jokic. You can't now say Jokic is Jovic. We can't do that. It's what's been happening for me. I've been saying Let's it. Let's get him out of Sioux Falls first, okay? And okay. then. Let's have a conversation about that. Perfect. So, yeah, Jokic yes, and Embiid, but I'll, I'll be honest, I wouldn't swap Bam for anybody. Like, he's an, as untouchable a player as any uh, in Heat franchise history for me personally as a fan um, and also as someone who covers the team. What he does defensively can't be always quantified, and I don't think everybody necessarily understands how much the organization values that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so to me um, – like if you think about a long-standing Heat fan like myself, if I'm coming from that angle, it's kind of like you went from Zoe to D Wade, um, and now it's kind of the it, it's becoming more and more of the Bam Adebayo era, and I think that that's super cool because they talked about his number being in the rafters at the beginning, and it seemed like it was um, just maybe boastful talking um, by like I think even Alonzo said some of that stuff, Riley said it. Uh, and now that you see that it could come to fruition, it's been awesome. So, like, um, he's going to make the – the coaches are voting Bam Adebayo <laughs> onto that all-star reserves. Yeah, he absolutely will be an all-star. Alex, you just threw something interesting in the chat that I just want you to say out loud. I just want you to say it out loud. I, I just want to hear it. I think uh, some of the growth that Bam has shown, he's obviously gotten better every single season. Uh, the way the, – the player that he's turned into right now is kind of reminiscent of Suns Amari Stoudemire as far as like the the skill set offensively, right? It's kind of what he's turned into. Maybe not fully realized yet. I think as Bam figures out, you know, that balance uh, between uh, when to attack the basket, when to, you know, screen and roll, when to go for that midi. But I think he's looking like Suns Amari, except also, you know, he can guard just about everybody in the league at a high level. 
I mean, I think I've said it before. I think Bam is, you know, for Heat superstars, Heat stars, whatever you want to classify him as, he's going to go down as one of the most underappreciated uh, by fans, just, you know, relative to how productive he's been over the years. The fact that he's gotten better every single season, despite how much they've asked of him over the years, despite the role changes, not only from backup to starter, you know, to franchise pillar to now, you know, one of their leading scorers. And he has been, but We've seen the growth that he's taken on ball, and it's just, it's been awesome to see. It's really amazing to watch a player evolve and actually get better every season, right? So many guys, it, it, they only get so much better after a few years in the league where you see exponential growth and that eventually tapers off. And it feels like it's been the same type of leap every single season with Bam continuing to get better in so many different aspects of his game. And Ethan, I'll come to you here. You know, we talk about Bam and then when you take him, Jimmy, Tyler, all three have had stretches really where they've been sort of the go-to scorer for a chunk of games for the Heat this season. Um, and really all three have had great seasons when they've been on the floor. Like Jimmy's been as good as he's been in a Heat uniform when he's been on the floor. Tyler has, has absolutely improved so much in his game so this is sort of the question and, and i bring it to you because i see you debate it with yourself on twitter all the time these three guys jimmy bam tyler if you have it your way who do you want to be the heat's go-to scorer moving forward well i think it's different pockets of the game honestly but i think that this team is better when bam is engaged so to me he's the one that can slip into the background there and so they need to emphasize that early and often, and then again late. Mm. And they have done it more late this year. His fourth quarter scoring speaks to that. I think one of the strange things about this season is that, as you mentioned, Bam, Jimmy, and Tyler are all having good years. Tyler and Bam have taken the leaps that you wanted to see them make in terms of Tyler's uh, awareness on the court, uh, on the offensive end, uh, you know, making the right reads, uh, his ball handling, his passing have all improved. His three-point shooting has stayed other than lately, but for the most part, it has stayed uh, at a very consistent level this year. Um, his, I, I even think his off-ball defense has gotten better. Uh, so he's he's gotten better. There's no question about that. Uh, Bam has gotten better in several different ways. Jimmy is still Jimmy when he plays. That's the thing. You, you know, you got, you know, you're never going to see Jimmy play 70 games anymore. So you got to squeeze mm. as much out of him as you can at 60 and hope that you're going to get 60. That's been the strange thing of this season is that you have had those three guys play at that level. And yet the year has been so choppy. And I, I know we can point to injuries. A lot of teams have had injuries. They've had to obviously balance a lot of things. The Oladipo emergence was supposed to happen probably a month before it did because right. of what happened in training camp. Um, but to me, what this is about the rest of the way is the core group of this team finding a way to make this season matter. I talk about this all the time as the old guy on this podcast. <laughs> Since Matt Riley came, okay, you know, Greg and I do the narrative stuff because we, we don't do it. That's much how stuff. we do it, man. Yeah. Right. So it's, so, it's but, a balance. Hey, look, but, you're, but, on, you're on Bally Sports right now. Like, we're here for narratives. No, understand well, where I mean, you're at. I don't see my all shirt. Right. There you go. Keep so the main thing the main thing. This is, I, I think, the it. only one that Michael McCulloch lets me sell on our store because otherwise Michael gets upset because any other slogan I try to use. <laughs> They're uh, using it. I don't think Pat's actually copyrighted this. If he has, I'm going to get a cease and desist letter by the time this podcast is over with. I want you to know that's going to be the 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 screen cap that I use to promote no, the episode is going to be you with the shirt. Well, look, LeBron says it all the time whenever he yep. wants to come back to Miami. So there you are. But the thing, yeah, right. Yeah. 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 DNA, heat DNA. Um, 
But but here's the thing about it is that, you know, since Pat came, they have found ways. His teams have found ways to make seasons matter with the exception of like five or six. Okay. And we're talking about more than a quarter century at this point. They're all the Dolphin seasons don't matter. Uh, The heat seasons have all mattered in some way. And, you know, with the exception of like 2001, 2002, where they had a bunch of old guys and has-beens who were here, uh, 2002, 2003, where they were breaking in Quran. Mm. Uh, Dwayne's last season wouldn't have mattered if it hadn't been Dwayne, okay, because not enough happened that year. The first half of 16, 17 didn't matter. 14, 15 didn't matter, except that, it, you know, Henry Walker was on the court at the end of the games because Henry Quran Walker. wasn't there anymore. He had two names. Look, <laughs> there are a lot. There are a lot of seasons in Heat history uh, that mattered, though. Okay, and whether it was the Road Warriors teams, of you know the Zo Timmy teams, or Dwayne's you know for rookie season, which was a hell of a lot of fun after zero and seven to the second round six game against Indiana. This season has felt like it was going to be a season that does not matter. I like mm. sort of like two seasons prior, the season after the bubble, which we just don't remember anything. Like I, we did this podcast that year. We were like, do we remember the beating anybody of significance the entire year? Like what was the good moment? Bam against Brooklyn. Like I don't nothing. remember anything about the entire season to be perfectly no, honest it, with you. I covered did, every it, game. I know it didn't exist. And, and I have honestly felt that times this year that we were trending that way until the last three weeks. Like yep. when Spolster started to talk about, you know, starting to feel better about things that people couldn't see it. I think if you cover the team consistently, you could see some signs, even though they were blowing games late and they're losing to some bad teams at home. And so maybe they have a chance to make this season matter. And to do that at this stage, their three best guys have got to take ownership of it. I mean, Jimmy's got to play. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. Jimmy's got to play. Okay. And, you know, Bam has to keep playing well when Jimmy plays and not shrinking. And he hasn't this year. And he has cleared every hurdle that we put up for him before the year. And, and Tyler has to be consistent. I think that's the thing. And he also has to find a way to play with different guys. But I think they have a chance to do it. But I, I, So the answer, long-winded, to who's the go-to guy, I think it depends on the night. But I think it's got to be all three of them. I, yeah. I, they, they're not good enough this year until they make a trade and maybe even after they do to be better than the Milwaukee's, the Boston's, a healthy Brooklyn, a healthy and connected Philadelphia if they ever get that way. Uh unless their three best players are playing well together. It's just that simple. And we've acknowledged, like, look, you have, when you look at the full rotation and those three guys playing at the same time, like the Heat have shown in spurts that they can be a great team when everybody is out there, but they haven't shown it consistently enough thus far this season to have you believing, okay, with just this roster as it is, that that this can be the thing going forward and you can compete for a championship, which is what this team always wants to do. So um, we've talked about a, a couple of guys here who have sort of almost felt like additions in the last couple of weeks, in Gabe Vincent and Victor Oladipo, and the way that their play has trended up. Two backup guards for Miami who have both had to start in in recent stretches here. Um, You know, you're looking at at two guys who have played a really crucial role. Gabe had 27 and 28 points, career highs. Depot, 26, 20, 19. Huge plays in the fourth quarter, stepping it up defensively. So I guess my question here, and and anybody can, can take this if you guys want, but which of these two guys' performance is is more crucial for this team moving forward? And which of these two players do you trust more to maintain that level of play? And it is that this is that the same player? So if anyone wants to take that, Victor um, Oladipo. All right, Victor Oladipo. Let, let's hear why. Uh, I just think that um, he's the player that can be the lightning rod on this team. Like what he brings. Um, 
it ties a bow on everything else in a way that Gabe just doesn't. Uh, Gabe is very serviceable for his role, but they just become so much more dynamic defensively when he's on the court, the way that they can close a game with a two-way, another two-way player. So to me, it's Victor, it's a healthy Victor Oladipo. That's right. the key here. When we talk about who can sustain it for, for Depot, it appears to be if he's healthy, He's going to be the player we're seeing now. And it's awesome to see him get back to the level that he's at now. And I'm, I would imagine he's just going to continue to, uh, you know, improve. Um, so it has to be Depot. Do any of you disagree <laughs> with me? I wouldn't. I, the reason I don't is I just want to jump in and say, is yeah, I, I've been saying, uh, I've kind of been keep talking about the closing lineup stuff. And I think that speaks to it more than anything. When you compare the two is I, I think they have locked in four closers and it's just a, there's a revolving door on the fifth, whoever's having the hot night. And at one point there were, we were kind of, I know Spo calls it a big four and includes it with Kyle, but I think they have a closing four and that's Deepa with, with mm. Tyler, Bam and Jimmy. So I think that kind of says it uh, just because of kind of the offensive stuff he's providing. And, and we talked so much last season about Depot's fit with the main guys because it just was not at its best. I, I did a big thing in the offseason where I could kind of talked about the minutes of Tyler, Jimmy and Depot, because it just was, it was so up and down because if Tyler had the ball in his hands, Depot didn't really know the system at that point because he was just completely, I know they always use the, the phrase thrown in the fire. That was like the most definition of thrown in the fire. Like he was just like, go out there and just try to be yourself, but know nothing about our offense, like <laughs> right. not being able to like have actual examples. And the so defense he was, for that matter, by the way, the, like he didn't correct. know anything about the team defense either. No, there was like, there's no like chemistry communication there on the defensive end, but specifically with the offensive end, it was kind of just thrown out there. He was kind of standing off the ball a lot. Right now I'm watching them just like throw when they're four healthy and they put these lineups out there, they are clicking. Like they mm -hmm. kind of are really knowing what to do in terms of where to be, the roles they're in. Depot on the ball can get to the rim at a high level now that he wasn't getting to last season, I felt like. Uh, and then kind of the off ball stuff from Jimmy, he's been used more of as a mover off the ball. You have Bam's emergence. So specifically, Gabe is kind of the great addition is like, his spot up numbers have been weird this season because, and we've talked about this with every player, like we talked yeah. about earlier in this show with the catch and shoot numbers. He, his was the one that kind of went down the most, it felt like, but he's kind of over this last two weeks been and kind of rise, raising it up little by little. Depot's kind of the more, his game isn't kind of revolved around three point shooting. Like it's not going to be a two week span, whatever he's shooting, we'll kind of go with that guy. It feels like at this point, Victor Oladipo is going to be Victor Oladipo. He's not always going to be a perfect offensive threat because the three is not always falling. Of course, shots are going to fall on certain nights. But for the most part, you know what you're getting. And I feel like that's what makes him a closer. They have to have him out there to close games. Well, the, the part that's been huge when you see him, Tyler, and Jimmy all on the floor together is the ball is still moving, right? Like last year, what, what you saw, and it was because, in large part, because Victor didn't really know the offense yet, like you mentioned, thrown into the fire, it was when all those guys were on the floor together, there was no offensive chemistry. Like there was no ability for this team to operate an offense. It was just those three guys going out there playing iso ball and hoping that they'd get a bucket. And now you see them playing together at this sort of level and you know it's all of the things that everybody dreamed of when that move was made which is when you have a closing lineup where Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Butler and Pam Adebayo are out there defensively it's going to be pretty dang hard to score against the Miami Heat and so that becomes a really positive thing for this team moving forward so as we do move forward um you know I am not uh my tone here on this podcast is maybe a little bit different when it comes to when we're talking about moves uh, than, than the tone that ends up happening um, on some other podcasts. So for me, I'm not here to shop 
players on this heat team i'm here to look into guys that maybe you guys think would be a positive addition so the way that i'm looking at it is what i want each of you to think about is one sort of either low level or mid-level move that the heat could make a player that comes to mind when i say low level or mid-level move that could be just a tweak that the heat can make going into the rest of the season or i want you to also think of one splashy move that you would like to see the Heat make. One player you think that they could really go after that would be a big deal that obviously would be a bit of a blockbuster trade. And I want to kind of go around here and get each of your opinions. So whoever has uh, their idea here first, you guys can just kind of jump in uh, yourselves. But I want to get from each of you sort of a low middle level move that you would like to see or a higher level move that you'd like to see. Ethan, you want to start? Wow. Um, well, let's start here. I, I, I think that uh, they're working in, in a little bit of a box here because, you know, this team has shown that they're good enough to be a playoff team, but they may not be a championship contender. And that's always a weird place when you're also fighting the luxury tax. Yep. And so, you know, if this team was a clear contender at this stage, if they had shown what they hoped they would show because everybody was healthy and connected, then I think there would be less of an issue about going into the tax and there might be the opportunity for a splashy move to put you over the top. Uh, I have sort of sense that this team is trying to stay out of the plan. Like you don't want to be there. Okay. Right. And now you're in the sixth spot as we're speaking and the fourth spot is kind of in sight. And actually the three spots, not so crazy depending on some injuries. And so when you take a look at that and the vulnerability of Milwaukee and Boston, which I do not think, that either of them is dominant this year. They've not all had as much as we certainly matches. thought about a month ago. That's for sure. Definitely, definitely not. And the entire league is a mess. I mean, who had Sacramento in third? Who had the Pelicans where they are? There are three championship contenders supposed in the in the Pacific Division that are all hovering around or now below in the Suns' case, five hundred. And so, you know, you have to look at it and say, okay. It's worth making a move. It's worth trying to capitalize on Jimmy's window, even if this may be Bam and Tyler's future. Mm. And so if that's the case, I think you need to flip a first round pick. Okay. So let's, we're not talking about a player we're moving, Jeremy. <laughs> this is a hypothetical player. A hypothetical player. You, 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 you move the first round pick. Uh, and obviously we know who the players are that would be potentially trade eligible on this team at this right. stage. Uh, and, and I think you get yourself a proven starting power forward. I, I that's, that is that everything fills in from there. It's no offense to Caleb Martin, who has done a tremendous job. He is a great reserve wing tremendous. doing the Jimmy stuff uh, that he, it was correct to keep him over PJ. I agreed with that move, especially with the salary cap with excuse me, the luxury tax limitations. Uh, but now let's get him in his regular role and, and, and allow him to flourish there. So we've talked about guys like Bogdanovich. We've talked about obviously John Collins name has come up. Okay. Uh, you know, there, Marcus Morris, there, there are a lot of names out there, you know, on a lower, on a lower thing. I know we'll we probably get one of these guys that gets Jared Vanderbilt. Okay. Uh, Kelly Olenek is the name that we've mentioned, bringing him back. I'm sorry. I'm going to take all, all the names. You spoiling it for everybody. You said spoiling it for everybody. Sorry. I, I, I'm just filling it in for everybody. Um, but I, I'm just saying, right. Make a move. I, I they, they, and, and they know they need to make a move. Um, you cannot. You cannot go through the trade deadline and do nothing. I think it'll deflate right. this team. I really do. I, I think particularly if they think, starting to believe in themselves there, you need a reinforcement. Um, Depot has been a great reinforcement. Go get another. Mm. Uh, and so I, I, I think you flip the future first. It has no value to the Heat. Come on. And, and, and here's the thing. You need like six first these days to get a premium player. Well, that's the reality. That that's the right. part of it that I think. That's what is, Danny Ainge so did. That's what the Minnesota Timberwolves did. Okay. So 
like what you're worried about flipping one. I mean, you're never going to get to the five that you need to get some of these guys. anyway. I actually think that that's such a good mentality. I really do of just like, you're right. In order to be able to go get yourself any of these whales, quote unquote, that that you would get via trade, you're going to need a heck of a lot more first round picks than the heat are going to have available to them in I don't know, any of the next five years. Like, there's no way that you're going to be able to have that sort of capital. So just keep kicking the can down the road as long as you can compete. That's kind of how I view it. New Orleans, Utah, and Oklahoma City own every first-round pick for the next <laughs> like, years. Right. Right? You're right. not catching them in that. You don't want to. You're never going to tank. As a high-level member of the Heat organization right. said to me, we suck at tanking. So, like, trade your pick. Right. Trade your pick. Well, so, all right. So this is perfect because Ethan now sort of set up the this is what the trades could look like right this is this these are the types of guys this is the type of trade that you need to make so now if we do focus on names greg if i come to you and say you know who's the name who's the ideal guy that stands out when we talk about these types of trades who who are you thinking of wow the ideal guy that's an interesting uh point to bring up i think that um truthfully i like the idea of a player like marcus morris in terms of his uh offensive capabilities they also need a tough tough nosed they need a dog whoever it is um somebody that that doesn't get pushed around um i think it's somebody with size but um functional offensively so uh, i like the idea of a player like marcus morris um but it could end up being somebody with a smaller salary than a Mm. player like marcus morris and i just there's a part of me that keeps coming back to the name jay crowder he's been sitting working out kind of uh in the background forgotten um i think that inevitably there may be a way for him to find his way back to Miami. And, um, and that could end up being the solution as well as uh, kind of an injection of life. Um, so I, I'd say probably Jay Crowder, Marcus Morris are, are a couple names that I I'll throw out there. Go from uh, Markeith to Marcus this year. Uh, Alex, what about you, man? So um, I do have names in mind. I've been, you know, ruminating on this stuff. Uh, Cause I do think it's, you know, it's clear that they could use another four. And mm-hmm. again, to back what Ethan was saying, like they've been great with Caleb on the floor. He's done an awesome job playing in a role he's never played as before as a right. power forward, a starting power forward and doing a great job at it. So it's no shots at him whatsoever. But uh, for a team that struggled as much as it has with three point shooting, uh, like I said before, I don't think the experiment is going to trend uh so much upwards that it's not going to be an issue anymore so even if it does go up a little bit i do think they could use some uh help there adding uh a laser who's the one that coined that term earlier this this season i forgot how that how that became big but they could use a laser or two in that locker room and so the name that that i've constantly thought about since he lit up the heat in miami is bojan bogdanovich right that game was Uh, insane yeah no it was unbelievable in that second half yeah, so that's what I think about. Uh, that's, that game is what I think about. Obviously, he's not going to go 12 of 15. And yes, I do remember the exact amount of shots made and missed that he took that night because uh, it was unreal that he's not going to do that, right, uh, on a night-to-night basis, anything like that. But he is a hell of a shooter, mm-hmm. can do it on or off ball, has obviously done it for years on high volume. You know, just looking at stats the other day, 39% or 38% or up, and usually higher than that for the past like six, seven seasons. So he's just been doing it a long time. There's still not much signs of wear and tear. And so the the price part is a little bit tough with him because it might cost a little bit with some of the stuff that's come out. But 
you know, for a veteran guy, he doesn't, you know, he's not a, a PJ Tucker replacement, right? You're going in a yep. different kind of uh, style there, but I think he'll be a great fit. And for a higher level move, there's no like superstars or all-stars that have really been rumored to be out there. But the guy who I think would probably cost even more because of the season he's having is Lowry Markkinen, right? To, to the same sense of Bogdanovich. It's like that plus more because he, he went from somebody who I was not high on whatsoever uh, as a Chicago Bull to having a decent yeah. season last year with the Cavs. And now he looks like a straight up all-star type player. And I don't think it's fluky. Like, even if you think, you know, he could get traded to a good team, which I don't think they're looking to trade or anything like that. I'm mm-hmm. not sure where the Jazz are with that. But if they were, I think he would be incredible on the Heat because he's way more than the, you know, a standstill shooter who's kind of a stiff, which is what I thought he was <laughs> uh, after his stint with the Bulls. Like, he is so much more fluid than that. And he can really get to buckets in so many different ways, off the catch, off curls, off ball, and could do it on ball too. Kind of has a face-up game now has grown into his body and really just completely blew my expectations for the type of player I thought he could be. And I think he'd be an incredible uh, fit with Bam because I just don't think he is as bad defensively uh, as he you know was before too. Like I think he's he's solid on that end now and I think they'll be dynamic as hell with them too. But again, Danny Ainge is probably going to want like three first-round picks <laughs> to even talk about trading that guy with the way that he's producing on a night-to-night basis. I realized that the guys I named were not necessarily so splashy. So let me just sneak my splashy. Um, sneak it. Uh, DeMar DeRozan. That's Ooh. the that's the sneaky, risky move to watch for. I like that one. I like that. And I like just burying that an hour into this podcast so that we can like come back to it in a little while when it happens and be like, hey, look, see what happened here? This was the sneaky, risky thing. There was a prediction. It, it, was, a, it was a throwaway line. Um, you know, Alex looking for the perfect big next to Bam. Uh, Brady, we're talking about um, mostly power forwards here. Is that is that where your mind is at as well? Is is kind of trying to you know sure up that rotation from from a big perspective? Yeah, I feel like it has to be. I think it's always going to be focused on kind of that front court range. Uh, you guys didn't really leave me with many options <laughs> <laughs> to throw out there. To be honest, uh, to be honest, if you were talking about kind of the splashy picks, I was actually before Greg th- jumped in, I was thinking Droz would be interesting add to this because it does not fit the mold of the guys we're, we're kind of addressing at all. Uh, Bogdanovich and marketing are two guys that are really intriguing because Bogdanovich is probably easier to probably go grab, but marketing is like, they like that build because I mean, that's like maxed out Nikola Jovich. So like if the max out his attributes, so like if they liked him in the draft, they're going to like marketing. It just makes sense fit wise. Uh, but I feel like those are the splat. I'm honestly surprised Alex didn't mention Kyle Kuzma because I just I'm always hearing him throw him out there and he just did not go that route. So I'm honestly surprised. Uh, but I think it's also, it, it's not even forgetting of the players for a second. I think it's more about build because, you know, I know there was Kelly Olenek is thrown out there, which I think would be uh, a really interesting one because he's also could be play next to the band, but he also can play behind band. As good as Orlando Robinson has, has been, and I've given him so much credit to what he's been able to do and kind of stay in that range, is he going to be playing too many minutes in the playoffs when you get there? I'm not totally sure. It's, he's not even playoff eligible at this <laughs> moment. So, like, you're still going to have to figure something out at this time where you need a guy that maybe could play some backup five at times but also play next to Bam in a way. So it's, but then you get back to the point where they've kind of found an identity defensively. Do you want to give it kind of and keep going in this other range? But then you throw it. I know Ethan mentioned the name Vanderbilt. Then you can go in a direction of more defense, but then there's less shooting again. Right. So it's like you you got to kind of find this balance. And I know you we're at a point where 
if you have one only one first round pick to throw and you kind of have certain contracts that are going to be thrown into the mix you're not going to find the perfect four that's defensively right. going to be switching going to be shooting 40 percent from three like that's ultimately not what you're going to find but ideally you could find something to kind of match that but i really come back to the point is like if you're Eric Spolstra, this is you're the ultimately you're trying to find guys that are that are going to fit Eric Spolstra scheme heading into the playoffs. Greg used the word kind of dog. And honestly, that is like exactly what they need at the four. They need somebody that's going to be a Tucker type, a Crowder type, like mm. a, just a new life in between there that's going to be able to switch all over the place that when you get into a real matchup, can actually guard their own position in a way. Like where Caleb is kind of having to guard point guards and you have mm-hmm. different guys trying to guard different positions. If you get a guy that you can just find your scheme and just stay with it and not have to have Bam now as a real offensive threat, as we talked about earlier, cannot be covering up for everybody. <laughs> like right. he cannot be the guy that's absolutely just has his eyes everywhere on defense. So uh, the names you guys mentioned, I feel like are going to be in the mix, but ideally you find a three and D type of four that can kind of do a little bit of everything. But if you're Eric Spolstra, He's ultimately going to want, and I know everybody always talks about it, it, the whole discussion is Bama fours, Bama five, and all that stuff. Eric Spolstra wants a switchy four. Like, I really feel like it really comes out of that. So if you can find him a switchy four, and most switchy fours can probably play back up five for you because there's a lot of shooting guards that are playing four for them right now. So if you find a switchy four, they're going to play back up five as well. Right. Well, it, it, it is so funny the way that, that we talk about this, too, because it really is just two different archetypes, right? It, it's looking at either, all right, here's one guy who would help the offense and be able to shoot, or here's one guy, more likely than not, when you're shopping sort of at the bargain bin at the trade deadline and you're not making those huge splashy moves, you're going to find one skill set or another. You're probably not going to find both those things together. But as was mentioned in the chat, let's just make it a, a full-on reunion. Let's get Kelly O and Jay Crowder back in Miami Heat uniforms. So what, what, what do you think he fans would think of that honestly i, I think it would be i, I feel I, there's a real chance of that happening, it would be actually. so funny it would just be it would be pure comedy if and if, helpful yeah and also helpful like it would be great like it would be a, a beneficial thing the irony is is just like I, I can only imagine heat fans just it's one of those things where um Especially, I feel like Kelly O was really both of these guys were players where it was like Heat fans didn't like them before they were here, had to convince themselves to really like them, fell in love with both of them. And then since they've left, have now like convinced themselves that all of the things that they didn't like about their games. And so now if they came back, it would just be all sorts of confusing, like watching Heat Twitter try to tie itself into knots to figure out what to think. Um, but before I have, Shane back while you're it's at like, it. I mean, are they really to- shiny new toys if yeah, you right. had them before? <laughs> right. Well, it just it was funny. I literally was talking with somebody with the jazz the other day about Kelly O and like we were just talking reminiscing on the dribble handoffs. And I was like, man, the glory days of the of. <laughs> Of of the non give on the dribble handoff, nobody does it better than the Kelly, Kelly Keeper. Yeah, the, the nobody the Kelly Keeper, the perfect big next to band. And he's That's still exactly doing it. it. Like he's like averaging like twelve five and two on that a night to night basis for the Jazz. You know, like, you know what he Twitter is going to be doing after it's not twelve five and two, but it's twelve one and two. Yep. Right. And, 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 you know, and everybody's like, well, KO is not helping them with the rebounding. I mean, this is like you said, it's everybody's flaws get covered when they go somewhere else. I, I just think that Heat fans, when it comes to Jay, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of player Jay is now. Like yeah. Jay hasn't, Jay declined last year. He was moved out of the starting lineup, which is what started all this. He hasn't played the whole season. Like we were trying to figure out Brady and I, like 
when's the last time a role player was basically told to go away? Like that's a very happen. strange. It's a very strange dynamic. You never see something like this where it's almost like a like an NFL running back holdout where both both sides play chicken way longer than the other anticipates, and then all of a sudden you're just like halfway through the year and the guy hasn't played at all. Just how did how did this happen? Team that needs with Jay Crowder. It, yeah, it makes yeah. it makes not a lot of sense. It's it's a very it's one of the stranger uh things I've seen. And so hey, we'll see if maybe it ultimately leads to Crowder back in a heat uniform. All right, but before I let you guys go, I've got kind of a couple of rapid fire questions here. I'll just go around and have each of you answer one. So um Ethan, I'll start with you um, and then ultimately end with you as well. We've got five total questions. So, Ethan, blank player will shoot the highest percentage from three for the Miami Heat for the rest of the season. Tyler Hero. Greg, blank player is the most underrated player on the Miami Heat. Wow. Bam out of bio. I love that answer. I love that answer. No ceiling. Alex, which of these two players will have the bigger impact moving forward? Orlando Robinson or Haywood Highsmith? Orlando Robinson. I think what he's done to help stabilize the bench, we, we haven't even mentioned him, but just, you know, we mentioned Gabe and Depot helping so much with their bench. Orlando has been great in the sense of just doing everything he's got to do and not really making too many mistakes out there. So I think the eight or 10 minutes he gets in the playoffs, maybe less, he's going to do a good enough job there. And I, I feel good about that because yeah. let me just stop right there. <laughs> all right. All right. We will stop right there. Wait, that's uh, Alex's shortest rapid fire ever. Actually. Yeah. Look at that. Right. <laughs> we did it. We did it that right here on Miami. Mike I ne- you've never How self-aware that. of you, Alex. At the end just, of the day. Just go- <laughs> the end of the- yes. uh, all right, Brady. 10 seconds left, heat ball down two. Which player do you want to have the ball in his hands? If it's a playoff game, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> if it's <laughs> probably a regular season game, suppose going for the win and giving it to Tyler Euro. So I love that answer. It's I, true I, too, right? Because you're right. In the regular season, they're probably going for three and saying, all right, Tyler, you just figure it out. But mm-hmm. postseason game, get that ball in Jimmy Butler's hands. And, and finally, Ethan, the Heat will finish as the blank seed in the Eastern Conference. Five. I think they're five. Um, I, I think that they will stay out of the plan. Uh, they will. We know that our expulsion teams tend to play really well in March. And so I, I would anticipate there will be a pickup here. We're already starting to see it. I just think that uh, Boston and Milwaukee had too much of a head start. They're not catching them. I, I can see when you look at Brooklyn and you look at Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia, obviously health is always an issue there with some of those guys and connectivity. The Brooklyn Durant thing, I think, is is they're going to lose a lot of ground. I, I think that's actually the team they could catch, but I think they catch them or Cleveland. Mm. So I do anticipate that they'll they'll finish in the five spot, and I think they'll get a fairly comfortable matchup in the first round. Honestly, they've played better on the road lately than they played at yeah. home. So, so I I, I wouldn't rule out a, a first round. And they look, they can lose to anybody in the East playoffs, and they can beat anybody. And I, I think that's why you make the move, you trade the first round pick. You don't hold it for a rainy day and you try to give this thing a little bit of a jolt here uh, and make sure that you have enough pieces and that you have seven guys you can close with in the playoffs. Cause that's ultimately what Eric Spolcher needs. I think he's got four, like we talked about maybe five, maybe six, give, give him seven pieces to play with uh, in those tight games. Let's see what happens. 
call it a five seed for five on the floor. And that's why you have to watch every single Miami Heat basketball game on Bally Sports Sun, as you could do tonight with coverage beginning at 7 o'clock for the Heat Live pregame show as the Heat take on the Mavericks. Before I let you all go, Ethan, if you want to run through the plugs of everything for the Five Reasons Sports Network and for Five on the Floor. Well, check out Five on the Floor on every podcast app imaginable. So we're there. We're also on the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Please join our 21,000 subscribers. Hit like, subscribe, and make sure you hit your notification. Also, if you want Brady's takeaways, they arrive as soon as the game ends. We do not have a paywall. We don't believe in that. FiveReasonsSports.com, spell that one out. And we do want to mention our subscriber feed. It's free for the first week, okay? Then we hit you with a charge that you won't even remember, uh, which is three bucks, <laughs> five cents a month. But it's called Off the Floor, and that's where we kind of give you the insights that we don't always give you on Twitter. We have some high-profile subscribers on there who hold us accountable, um, like Alex holds Spo accountable. And so to check out Off the Floor. You can find it at winnow.app backslash off the floor. Uh, like I said, three bucks and five cents a month, and it gives you everything. It texts literally to your phone. So, you know, you can you can have us on your phone all the time and you can even FaceTime. No, you can't. But it's, anyway, we, we have reply, a lot. Of I reply to people every day. So I'm having conversations. He does. And, well, actually, this. actually, he just says like three word like during the game. That was great. Bam's terrific. This team's terrible. It's just it's just it's a roller coaster of emotions. with Greg, you just never know what you're going to get. And that's and the, the way game that it notes, is. The game notes. Did, did you know that on Tuesdays in the third quarter, Tyler Hero is averaging 4.8 points. You'll get that. From, Don't from sleep Greg. on the game notes. I like it's it. On we all get notes. the game notes. Don't sleep Straight on them. Straight from Rob Wilson, great, great Miami uh, Heat PR person for the last 20-something years, to your phone via Greg Slavander. So subscribe. I mean, come on. How could, it, how could it be better than that? Awesome. Be sure to give be sure to give five reasons a follow. Be sure to give each of these gentlemen a follow on all of the different social medium, uh, social media, social medias. I don't even know what the 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 proper plural there is. We're we're an hour into this podcast. What are you going to do at this point? Uh, but be sure to give them a follow. And and as always, um, you know, just to mention for what it's worth, as we mentioned at the beginning, I am a five reasons alum myself. I'm probably not sitting here doing this podcast without some of the interactions we've had over over the years. This is a great group. Be sure to support their work. Um, and thank you all for listening to today's episode of Miami Miked Up. Be sure to watch the Heat and the Mavs as Luka Doncic comes to town tonight. Looking forward to tonight's game. Tune in at 7 o'clock to Bally Sports Sun. And as always, subscribe to Miami Miked Up, leave us a review, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.